Let's review the techniques for the modified orbitozygomatic craniotomy and also review the tenants for removal of intraorbital tumors within the supralateral compartment of the orbit. This is a 62-year-old female who presented with right-sided visual decline and on imaging was noted to harbor a relatively well-defined lesion along the superior and lateral aspect of the orbit. Tumors located in this compartment are most amenable to resection via a craniotomy to be able to completely resect the tumor and decompress the optic nerve via a clinoidectomy. Here's the position of the head. As you can see, there is minimal turn to the head, approximately 15 to 20%. The incision is a standard curvilinear terional incision all the way to the contralateral mid-pupillary line. Importantly, a lumbar drain is used for dural sac decompression early on during bone work. The scalp flap is reflected in a separate layer than the temporalis muscle. The belly of the knife is used to mobilize the galia over the fat pad until the area of the keyhole is palpated. The frontalis branch is located within the superficial temporal fascia over the fat pad. Its subfascial technique is used to mobilize the fat pad while preserving the branches of the frontalis nerve. As you can see, I continue to mobilize the fat pad and protect the superficial temporal fascia. Obviously the nerves are not within the fat pad and the fat pad can be mobilized laterally and anteriorly until a reasonable portion of the frontal process of zygoma is exposed. The muscle is mobilized after it's disconnected from its cuff and attachment to the superior temporal line. The muscle is mobilized inferiorly and posteriorly, unlike a traditional terional craniotomy where the muscle is reflected anteriorly and inferiorly. The area of the terion is generously exposed. The periorbita is dissected from the inner surface of the orbit to protect the orbital contents during the craniotomy. Frontozygomatic suture is identified. This is an important technical nuance that I would like to emphasize here that the initial keyhole is placed about a few millimeters above and about seven millimeters posterior to the location of the frontozygomatic suture. The angle of the drilling is about 45 degrees against the surface of the skull. Perpendicular drilling would lead me to expose primarily the frontal dura without reaching the periorbita and exposing the orbital roof. Again, it's really important for creating the 
real keyhole to avoid a perpendicular drilling as you can see here use a 45 degree drilling as demonstrated here you can see the roof of the orbit the frontal dura and the preorbita all exposed within the keyhole this is the real mccarty keyhole lumbar drain allows generous decompression of the dural sac preorbital contents are protected you can see the presence of the tumor led to intraorbital hypertension and herniation of orbital fat the roof of the orbit is isolated performance of it good keyhole is essential for conduction and performance of the one-piece modified orbitozygomatic craniotomy the dura is mobilized away from the inner surface of the skull after another bear hole is placed along the posterior aspect of the bony exposure just inferior to the superior temporal line the initial bony cut or craniotomy starts along the posterior burr hole and goes all the way to the level of the orbital roof and preferably avoids the frontal sinus as the progress of the footplate is prevented since the footplate is touching the orbital roof the drill is backed away and removed the second craniotomy is obviously around the temporal area until the sphenoid wing avoids further progress of the footplate. The B1 without a footplate is used to cut the orbital rim, obviously avoiding the supraorbital nerve. Additional bony cuts are performed over the frontal process of zygoma extended reaching the previous bone cut over the area of the sphenoid wing secondly the area of the terion is also thinned out over the sphenoid wing until the keyhole is reached two cottonwood patties are used to mobilize the dura and the intraorbital contents away from the orbital roof while a small osteotome is used to fracture the roof of the orbit toward the cut at the level of the orbital rim next the bone flap is gently elevated see the orbit and the dura well decompressed by the lumbar drain you can see the supraorbital fissure the location of the tumor the tumor had eroded through the posterior aspect of the orbit here's the area of the clinoid process that was unnecessary to remove in this case since the tumor ends just about at the location of my arrow here is the superorbital fissure. Here is the tumor. You can see the 
entry of the optic nerve into its foramen just here, just medial to the clinoid process. Here you can see the entry of the optic nerve into its foramen. The frontal sinus was not entered. Tack-up stitches are placed along the frontal and temporal areas to prevent post-operative fluid collections. Here is a generous modified orbitozygomatic craniotomy that is quite effective to expose paracellar lesions extending superiorly. High-riding supracellar tumors are excellent candidates, including those within the interpeduncular cisterns. The periorbita over the tumor is incised. The tumor is relatively gelatinous. Microdissection exposes the entire roof of the tumor. Next, the tumor is mobilized. The intact preorbita is preserved. Here's the tumor mobilized out of its cavity. The unaffected area of the preorbita is protected. This tumor was confirmed to be a schwannoma. It's the area of the resection cavity, which is very clean, unaffected by the tumor. This is the final product after resection. The bone flap is replaced. Try to avoid a mini plate here if possible. Obviously, the orbital rim has to be lined up well with the area of the craniotomy to avoid any step-offs that can lead to post-operative deformity. Thank you.